welcome to book podcast episode number two what i am going to book talk about this time is thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman i had written a review on this on medium which i titled a review of an average iq reader now this is a podcast version and i guess that some of the people that had read this book might be skeptical of what I have to say. Well, don't be. I am a reader with a barely limited background in psychology and read the book aloud when I cannot understand anymore. I must say this is one of the hardest reads I finished. I've read voluminous books while I was in college, mostly related to academic subjects and sciences. I thought those Books does not have an end, but this one is a renaissance of those books. I finished this in about more than a month, although it has only uh, thousands of pages, I guess. It, I don't know, because I am using a an ebook, so I cannot track on how many pages there are. It really is a challenge when... You have a small, feeble brain, I guess. You feel like a book is more voluminous than it is. But I was up for the challenge. So if you want to challenge your brain, read Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I call this book the one with only postgraduate students understand, with lots of research principles, and computation. I was on the first few chapters and about to put away the book to read Jane Austen's novel or another self-help book on how to be happy. However, I pushed through because I am no quitter when it comes to reading. On the first part, the two systems, which the author named very intricately as System 1 and System 2. This smart scholars are like the scientists who also named a really big telescope, the very large telescope, and the bigger telescope, the extremely large telescope. This is a part on the cognitive ease. The points to ponder include that it was studied that bad font influences judgments of truths and improves cognitive performance, or that emotional response to the cognitive ease of tried of words mediates impressions of coherence. That's on page 289. That's why, according to Kahneman, do not dismiss a business plan just because the font makes it hard to read. I thought about this during my college days when I was using photocopied notes which are blurry or hard to decipher, and I think it really made me focus on my lessons. I would have read the words easily if the copy was clear, but I would not focus that hard as well. So you could, as I was saying, so you could experiment to use a not very perfect font on your notes in order for you to focus more. The normal state of your mind is that you have intuitive feelings and opinions about almost everything that comes to your way. The part one has a summary of characteristics of the system one as well. And part two is about heuristics and biases. Sometimes you don't have to believe in statistics. 
that's according to the author. According to page 481, there is an exaggerated faith in small samples. If the sample of observations is too small, do not make inferences. Let's not follow the law of small numbers. Another point is the availability bias. For me, it's more about thinking of the things around you makes you believe that it will happen to you. If you had been watching conspiracy movies recently, you will be seeing conspiracies everywhere. It is thought also in this book that the reader should learn how to discipline one's intuition. Your probability that it will rain tomorrow is your subjective degree of belief. But you should not let yourself believe whatever comes to your mind to be useful. Your beliefs should be constrained by the logic of probability. So also, statistics is a common word in this book. Words that were making me confused like Bayesian rule, causal rates, regression to the mean. It says that statistical results with a causal interpretation have a stronger effect on our thinking than non-causal information. In short, this is the part where reading every sentence was going to make me feel sleepy. I felt like my brain was not made to understand these concepts. But as the book progresses, you get to learn that the author, Kahneman, is actually talking about basic decision-making errors human makes. It was basic topics, yet the underlying study that this post-grad people had went through to understand why people think this or that way is severe. I never imagined that they studied tossing coins, predicting jobs, or gambling. Yes, gambling. I thought there was no science in it. I thought activities or games are there to entertain people. But no, for the smarty pants, there is a fallacy, a principle, an explanation. Then... Moving on to the part 3 of the book, which is entitled Overconfidence. It's cited in the book of Taleb, if you're familiar of The Black Swan, where Taleb suggests that we humans constantly fool ourselves by constructing flimsy accounts of the past and believing they are true. Basically, Types of illusions are also discussed in here, and it implies that all of us are filled with illusions, and you'll get an in-depth explanation of the illusion that you have. One takeaway lesson also that I will always remember in this part is that whenever we can replace human judgment by a formula, we should consider it. Formulas work. It worked to save babies' lives by using the APGAR score at birth. In making decisions, we should use a formula if there is one. That's why there are CPR algorithms because it is a more reliable indicator than to believe in intuition or intuitive judgments. Another one blow to my face 
because of a decision mistake that I had made is a fact which was stated in page 1058 that, quote-unquote, they, or we people, overestimate benefits and underestimate costs. They spin scenarios of success while overlooking the potential for mistakes and miscalculations. Then, here is where, unquote, then here is where planning fallacy and sunk cost fallacy comes in. Noted also in the book is that people view the world as benign. This is where the author would punish you for being an optimist. Because optimists, according to the author, seem to believe they know more than they actually know. Moving on to the part four which is choices. This is the part where theories are discussed. When we make choices, we need to consider one's reference point, the principle of diminishing sensitivity, and if we are risk-averse or loss-averse. Many of the options we face in life are mixed. That's according to the book. There is a risk of loss and an opportunity for gain, and we must decide whether to accept the gamble or reject it. Then, one of my favorite part is the endowment effect. Is it endowment effect? I don't know. As a poor individual, this is where I relate the most. Because of the small amounts of money that I have, spending is painful. I feel endowed to the money that I have. Rich kids can't relate on this. I could relate of being a miser because I treat any dollar I spend as a loss. That's speaking on the endowment effect. As you journey in this book, one will be taken into the experiences of the author. Or did I mention that the writer is actually a Nobel Prize winner? So if reading the book to increase your intellectual capacity is not enough for you, then I think the fact that the author is a Nobel Prize winner would eventually make you get one. And also, we have here that this book is not for the very poor because it says that in a page there is a statement where it says, except for the very poor, for whom income coincides with survival, the main motivators of money or the main motivators of money seeking are not necessarily economic. Okay, so one relatable part of that is you know, if you're poor, then you're not motivated by economics, you're motivated by survival. One relatable part is regret. It is an emotion and it is also a punishment that we administer to ourselves. The recommendation of experts is that you should not put too much weight on regret. Even if you have some, it will hurt less than you now think. 
I think that the best part also of this book is in the part 4 and 5. It's more on lessons, points to ponder, and resolutions. It is where you will understand how you were deceived through different ways of framing. You will get from this book an understanding of all your decision-making mistakes. Just like me, you'll have an aha moment. One of my aha moment was that I understood why I failed miserably in not getting the job that I wanted. In the end, I understood much better my mistake and I had find a way to accept that it really happens. Truly, sometimes understanding where you went wrong makes you humble enough to accept and not blame people or other things for your demise. Another point in this book that I will not forget is the concept on experiencing and remembering self. After reading the book, I had to go through a series of checkup of the events stored in my memory. Was that what I experienced? Or that was I chose to remember. Yes, I, I had to go down memory lane. And you will too if you read this book. Recalling persons in your life, childhood experiences, and even food preferences. Since the book is a hard read, there is a conclusion where it summarizes all the parts of the book. This is the book that CEOs government officials, or any person who carries in his or her shoulder a decision-making responsibility because they need to be aware of their biases, framing, and selves before they make decisions that could change lives of other people. So, well, I don't feel deserving reading this book but who knows in the future i could be a future ceo i cannot recommend this to my friends though because i know that they are going to sleep on this what they read are mostly about vampires or anything that is not true but i love them for that and i would save them from wrecking their brain with the thoughts of decision making but if they are going to ask me what book would make them smart i would say Pick Up Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Closing this book podcast, I could say that I have read many books in my early life, but I had never felt more intellectual when I finished this one. It would be exciting to have a part two where the author would explain why you always assume guys like you. Because I'd have to put myself all through that brain-wrecking moment again. I felt like my neurons had a hard time after I finished this book, so I had to read a fiction one. But, you know, thanks to the author, it was a good brain exercise. That sums up our book podcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great time.